Brooke Smith here. I played Catherine Martin in Silence of the Lambs and Bates Motel as well, which I also really liked. I wish, wish that one could have continued. And the most important advice that I think I can give you, just don't go out there. Okay? I'll say it again. Just don't go out there. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank everybody who's been listening to us. Uh, just This is our first episode after we're, the gang finally met up and hung out for the first time. We all went to Good Brother Drew's house, who actually could not be on the show with us tonight. We all hung out and stayed the night at his house. We went to our first horror convention, uh, Days of the Dead in Atlanta. Super, super cold. <laughs> it was really <laughs> fucking cold. But we, had, we, we all had fun. Uh, I learned how to play spades. We uh, had a good story about that. I'm sure they'll probably bring up at a future uh, time. That was great. <laughs> but we, we, met some really, we met some really cool uh, horror stars and actors and actresses. Uh, we, me and Brian, we got to meet Derek Mears, the actor who played Jason in the reboot, the 2009 Friday the 13th reboot. He is a giant, giant human being, but he's also an extremely nice human being. Um, he, he, uh, instead of a lot of the other actors and actresses, they charge for, you know, like selfies and signatures. Uh, Derek only charged for signatures, which is fair, but he also, he took pictures with anybody who wanted a picture for free. Uh, Brian, you know, he, he got a mask sign and he got a picture taken with him. And then as we were walking away, he's like, Hey man, do you want to get a picture? He gave me a free picture. And I thought that was awesome. So big shout out to Derek Mears. And we also met the uh, cast of the Rob Zombie 2007 Halloween movie. My guy, Brian, he got to meet Daniel Harris up close and personal. He got to tell her how much uh, she should have been in the new movie. I'm just kidding. I don't think he did. <laughs> but me, me and Mike, we also met. Uh, the, we took a picture of the whole, uh, the whole cast. It was really cool. We all had a great time. Do y'all want to say anything about the uh, convention, real quick? Scout, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you want to say anything about the convention? No, nah, man. It's everything you said, man. It was awesome. Yeah, a great yeah, time great. with every. Yeah, I had a great time with everybody. Awesome weekend. Um, you know, it. Uh, I felt out of place at the convention. I'm not gonna lie, but we still had a good time while we were there and <laughs> uh we had a good time hanging out all together and that was the important thing and so uh ask uh nico a, a later episode about having a three of clubs <laughs> i was actually going to say something else but i just for, i just totally forgot it tonight we're reviewing the silence of the lambs uh, absolutely i'm not even going to hide it right now it's a great incredible it's an incredible movie it actually came out what, eight days after I was born, and that's kind of why we're reviewing this movie. I'm just going to pass off to Mike, because this was his idea. Uh, it was actually, I think, a recommendation to do this movie. Mike, go ahead and tell us why we're doing this movie tonight. Uh, yeah, actually, recommendation. Uh, shout out to friend of the show, David Visser. He, you know, some chatting back and forth. He he put, put, put this movie in my mind, and then I realized, well, damn, the anniversary 
not any like great like 25th or 15th or anything like that, but just the anniversary of the show is the day you'll be hearing it. It came out on Valentine's Day, which is a very weird day for a horror movie to come out outside of something like, you know, Valentine's Day or something stupid like that. But uh, I use the word horror loosely, but to me, it still qualifies. It's still under the umbrella. And, Absolutely. and Absolutely. it does a great job. It's a different kind of horror. And so I'm really looking forward to reviewing this movie because it is awesome. Like, I'm not going to hide it. We're not going to sugarcoat it. This is an episode. We're going to fanboy it. Like, it's just the way it is. It's a great film. It won the five. It did. It's one of the three movies ever to win the big five at the Oscars. Okay. And that's saying something. Best actor, best actress, uh, screenplay, best director. best director. Right. It it won the big five. And that's why it's such a great movie. And I'm really looking forward, which is why you're hearing this on Friday the 14th instead of our normal, regularly scheduled day. That's why we're doing it. Mike, do you want to give a basic overview real quick? So I think this movie is so well done. Every The way it's shot, the screenplay was adapted perfectly from the book. I mean, it gets away from the source material very, very little. They change you know, just a few things to make it more, you know, make it fit in the two-hour runtime. This is a two-hour runtime, but it doesn't feel like two hours, at least not to me. It never did. Um, I think it's incredible. Anthony Hopkins is incredible as Hannibal Lecter. He's not on the screen that much. He's not with us that long, but when he is, you you can't help but pay attention. I think Jodie Foster, she's been really good in some other stuff, but to me, this is like top-notch good stuff from her. Like She plays Clarice so damn well. And as far as, far as people who don't consider it a horror it's an it's a psychological thriller, which is a completely different kind of terror, and terror and horror are basically the same damn thing. So you know you can get off that hill right now. Plus, right. it won it won an Oscar for the damn genre. Let's let's leave it alone. Let's not try to kick it off to the curb. <laughs> Jesus, Brian, Brian, you got a, a a basic overview before we review it in, mm-hmm. in, intensely. I mean, there's not there's not much else to say. I mean, there's. Like you said, we'll go ahead and just just spoil it. I mean, I don't know. There's there's very very few nitpicks that I have of this movie. I'm going to just be gushing over this thing the entire time. There is a reason it won five Oscars: Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Ted. I mean, Scott Glenn. Even it is like the cast is amazing, and this movie is amazing. And, and before we get started, and we'll. I know we'll de- we'll dive deep into it, but the way this movie uses symbolism mm-hmm. is probably like nothing I've ever seen. Like it's it's it hasn't been done as well to me anyway. Like you know, there's other movies who use symbolism and try to you know it's very subtle. This there's a lot of like blatantly obvious stuff, but it's it's still it's, it correlates so well the way they use certain things to represent other things, and I just God I love it, man. It's I hate to keep gushing over a movie. Don't worry. One day we're going to review a movie that I absolutely can't wait to shit on. But that's not today. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with appreciating greatness. I mean, this this is greatness. Y'all boys ready to do scene by scene? Let it go. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm believing in y'all to, to hammer down these scenes because I just got the basic stuff wrote down. So y'all ready? Let's do it, brother. The movie starts off with a, a caption on the screen that says, Quantico, Virginia. I just wrote down the opening credits. It just shows Clarice. She's training in the woods for FBI Academy. She's running 
she's climbing, you know, the ropes and all that. And after she's done running, she's back in the academy building. And Dr. Crawford calls her into the office. And, you know, she's just looking around. She sees, like, newspaper articles. And she sees pictures of Buffalo Bills victims and all that stuff. And Crawford says that he wants her to talk to Hannibal Lecter. She asks, why the urgency? Is there a connection to Buffalo Bill? Dr. Frederick Chilton, she, she's at the place where uh, the mental hospital or whatever, the prison where Lecter's at now. And Dr. Frederick Chilton says Lecter is their prize for research purposes. He tries to flirt with uh, Clarice, but he shoots her down. She says she's going back to the academy as soon as she's done. He gives her instructions not to touch the glass. So the other, like the wardens or whatever, they take her through the prison to where he is. They let her into the jail cell and they let her in. He walks, she walks down and I just wrote down there that right now there's a great score in the background with this. The two meet and it's really, really cool. Cause like uh, Dr. Lecter's like looking straight through the glass already before she even gets there. Uh, the two meet and he asks to see the credentials and he, and then he, he like the, the incredibly intelligent doctor that he is. He already knows that she's not a real FBI agent yet. Cause the badge, it says she exp it expires in a week. And he asked, what did the other inmates say to her? And, you know, sorry, ladies, for this, but the, the, the prisoner says, I can smell your cunt. And then, you know, he, like, uh, Dr. Lecter, he, like, does this. He, like, starts sniffing through, like, the holes in the glass. He says what kind of, you know, skin lotion she has on. And I just really think, you know, just their interactions are just, this. Their interactions make this movie, in my opinion. They start discussing Buffalo Bill. How he got his name, et cetera, et cetera. Then they start talking about Doctor <laughs> Lecter. Had gives one of his most memorable lines of the entire movie. He's talking about some uh, somebody who I ate his liver with some fava beans and chianti. And then as she leaves, a prisoner throws uh, some semen on her, and Lecter calls her back and says to look up an old patient of his. Brian, do you want to go first with your uh, thoughts on these two scenes? Uh, yeah, sure. Um. Hey, first off, first right off the bat, the quote unquote Hannibal the cannibal, you know, they call they call him that by the name. So that boom gives you what you need to know about Lecter right off the bat. Um, since you as an audience, you know, are learning about him the same time as Clarice is learning about him. Um, so you, you understand that his reputation precedes him there. Um, you know, it's building up. It, it starts to build him up before you even get to see him. So, um, you know, she she's she's once she gets into the uh to the hospital by the way anthony hill he he played uh <clears throat> portrayed dr chilton so well look i mean you hate him actually and you like hannibal lecter for most of the movie yeah. so that just that just tells to, to how great of an actor he was right there um you know him calling dr lecter a quote-unquote pure psychopath you know which really isn't true this right. just shows really how bad of a doctor he is and how good of an actor he is by portraying how slimy and uncomfortable he makes you just by him hitting on her right there. Um, the, I love the walk and talk scene where they're giving, you know, Clarice the rules again because of how important it is and plays out throughout the whole movie. No passing anything, et cetera. Um, you know, and gives that story about the nurse, you know, further building up that reputation before we get to see him. Um, once she gets there, you know, he has that uh, uh, basically kind of given off that, quote unquote, you know, superpower over Lecter. And um, and Dr. Harold or Dr. Chilton, you know, he ha he has this, quote unquote, like kind of a superficial power over Lecter. And, you know, he can tell 
you can tell that his characters on this like power trip in such a short period of time and interaction, you know, right there just at the very beginning. So, you know, that's further speaking to the writing and acting skills of Anthony Heald, Dr. Chilton, um, who, by the way, also returns for the prequel Red Dragon, which, by the way, is an amazing movie. I really like yeah, it. It's awesome. I love, um, Red Dragon. I love the point of view shot, you know, as Clarice is walking down the hallway with the prisoners, you know, it's it's just building up the tension with the music and, you know, looking through her eyes. Um, hey, right now we're about to get to the introduction of Lecter. Um, look, Anthony Anthony Hopkins' defining role right here. I mean, what can you say that hasn't already been said about him right there? Um, you know, he's calm, well-spoken. You know, you can tell he's very intelligent, um, which, you know, completely gives you a whole creepy and unsettling, you know, feel to him right there. Um, he already starts with the psychological warfare you know, asking what the other inmate said, making her repeat it. Um, he, he smells her, gives her a lot of detail on her skin cream. Uh, in the book, however, it gives him almost like super smell. So I'm glad that they chose to dumb that down for the movie a little bit. Um, <clears throat> he establishes all the power with him and Clarice immediately, you know, bringing up Buffalo Bill himself, just further showing you that this isn't <laughs> this isn't going to go how Clarice thinks it's going to go, you know. Um, the exchange about Buffalo Bill and him, you know, skinning his victims and her saying all the killers do that and him saying, you know, uh, you know, he wasn't like that. But her reminding him that he ate his victims is a great exchange because it kind of gives some more details about him, but also seems to like humble him a little bit right there mm -hmm. when he's like, oh, oh, yeah, I did eat them, you know. But then, boom, he reestablishes his power by talking shit about the questionnaire, calling her poor white trash and making fun of her accent, which I will say real fast, like, and I know I talked too long, but the, the mocking of her accent right there was actually done on the spot and ad-libbed by, uh, by Hannibal. So yep. Jodie Foster's reaction was genuine to be about her accent. And so, I mean, that was amazing. You can almost see her tear up during that scene. So that's a nice little, uh, nice little, uh, tidbit there. Um, you know, lastly, the Chianti line, you know, the most iconic line probably in, in cinema or one of at least in pop culture, you know, people know that line without even seeing the movie, um, in the books, it's, uh, actually ate it with fava beans and Amarone, yeah, I was gonna, uh, yeah. but the filmmakers didn't think people would actually know what Amarone was. So they changed it to something more recognizable, which actually kind of hurts him being a gourmet because, supposedly it's supposedly that's wrong since Keontae doesn't really go with liver, but you know, who knows? I don't I don't eat human or, <laughs> or animal liver. So I don't know anything about that anyway. Um, also, lastly, the last thing I'll say about this is uh, the, there's a deeper meaning there towards the end of their little conversation. You know, it, it's, it, he would actually be on MAO inhibitors um to, to like balance out his violent tendencies. So what stops those from working actually is liver, beans, and wine. So he's essentially like warning Clarice, hey, don't fuck with me. I'm off my meds, you know, in a sense. So that's it. Sorry, I went a little bit long there. Oh, that's great stuff, man. Like that's, I mean, a lot of that stuff that I don't have written down, but I have a couple things. So so let me try to uh, at least give some new stuff. Um, Going all the way back to the very opening title, uh, uh, the the very opening title scene, the music without you go into this movie, the first thing you hear is sad slash dramatic music. 
And the scene that's playing out in front of you isn't either of those things. So I think it does a really good job of setting the mood, setting the tone of the movie. At, you know, And she's training by herself. Everyone else is training in groups with like groups of 10 guys, groups of eight guys training together. And she's training all by herself. That is the way she is. She feels like she has to go above and beyond just to prove herself um, as a woman in her field. And I think that they kind of use that throughout the movie right. a lot. She's not – I like that it's subtle. I like that she's not Sarah Connor. She mm-hmm. she's, she's very strong and brave, but she's also vulnerable in a way as we see in the scenes with Hannibal coming up. But I love – I actually really think that those play on what's to come later. And uh, like you mentioned about the doctor hitting on her, that's just another thing that she continues to see throughout the movie where there's men looking her up and down multiple times. Right. And she has to – and she just stays facing forward and steadfast and and doesn't miss a blink. Like, she doesn't miss a beat. And she, I think uh, Jodie Foster does a really good job there. Um, I love this. Like Nico said, the dialogue between Clarice and Hannibal makes this film. Like, those scenes are so good. And like I mentioned earlier, you don't see Anthony Hopkins on the screen that much in this movie. His, his, time, his screen time is not a lot. But when he's on screen, he is he takes over that scene. However, I will give Jodie Foster credit. She does a great job of holding her own. The character of Clarice, and, you know, when Hannibal tries to get really smart with her, she gives it back. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very it's very I love their interaction. And the reason Hannibal is neither psychopath nor sociopath is because he might have, he might not have remorse for his victims as we see in another scene, but he definitely has this feeling of respect slash trust with Clarice. Mm-hmm. Even yes. in this opening scene, you kind of start to see a relationship developing and sociopaths, psychopaths, that's not their, you know, that's not their bag. So he might have antisocial personality disorder or something, but he's definitely, like you said, the doctor is a fucking idiot. Um, mm-hmm. I love the way they set him up. They make him seem like this huge monster, this crazy, you know, out there person. And you walk in, you walk down the hall and it's, you know, that guy's crazy and that guy's, you know, jumping up and down and all this other stuff. And there he is, just cool, calm, collected, smart and and, you know, almost standoffish in a way at first, you know, wants to kind of gauge the situation. So love the way he plays that. Love these dialogue scenes and something that they do throughout this entire movie with the cinematography gets shown in this scene. Mm-hmm. They use a technique where they put. A lot of the dialogue since they put the camera right on the faces where everything out where everything else is kind of blurred out around them. This right. you're, you're looking right at their faces, seeing their emotions and seeing the dot like you're, you're like you're almost like seeing their mouth really. Like, I don't know how else to explain it, but that the way it's done is done throughout the whole movie. Any big dialogue scenes, they do it that way and they shoot it that way. And I think that was a really nice choice by the cinematographer. Oh yeah, I, I, that was a point I was gonna make later. I'm sure all of us were gonna make it. Just the way they like the cinematography is just where it just looks right at Lecter's face. It's just it really just you feel like I don't know. You just feel what he says, and it's it's terrifying. It's unnerving. As, it's very unnerving. Yeah. Ex- exactly. As she leaves, uh, she has a flashback to her childhood. You know, she's giving her dad a hug, which will come into play later. Then after that, it just cuts to her. She's crying on her car. Now she's doing some more FBI training, and she gets a call from Crawford saying that the inmate who harassed her 
died swallowing his tongue. I couldn't, I can't, I didn't get exactly what they said. Well, Lecter was like harassing him all day or like talking to him all day. And he just swallowed his tongue or something. Yeah, basically got in his head and made him kill himself. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clarice now she's at she's at this like shed after a phone call, and you know she after contacting that patient Doctor Lecter talked about, and she finds this severed head inside of a car. And that that was kind of that head looked pretty terrifying too. <laughs> <clears throat> she's back at Doctor Lecter's cell talking to him, asking whose head is that? Former patient. He says he wants a room with a view, so they offer to help with Buffalo Bill in exchange for a transfer. Y'all got any quick thoughts on just those two scenes? Oh, uh, no, I, 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 I was a little confused like you at, at first, but I kind of, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Just, I mean, they explain it away a little bit later, or at least Hannibal does in, in his dialogue where he says not anymore. And so I kind of understand that that, you know, all that kind of ties in. So that's really all I have on those. Brian, you got any quick thoughts on those two scenes, man? Yeah. First off, you know, why, why would Starling go to the storage facility alone and at the dead of night? But, you know, here I am. I complain about Halloween and stuff being in the daytime and wanted at night. But so I, I apparently just complain either way, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, this whole this whole scene, this whole thing right here shows you how Lecter likes to play games, but also shows his interest in other serial killers. You know, almost like studying animals in the wild, basically contrasting his own situation of being a caged animal. Um, and. Also, I don't know if you mentioned that, you know, Chilton actually, you know, removed all his stuff from his cell and had 24-hour Christian broadcasting going, you know, as punishment, basically, right. <laughs> for, for what he for what he did and getting that guy to swallow his tongue and, you know, for being rude. But, uh, you know, that just shows you right there how petty Chilton is about this whole situation. So. Go ahead, Mike. He also gives the clue to Clarice because I think he wants – in a weird way, he wants to help Clarice become a better agent. If that may, like, for whatever reason, he's he's decided he likes her enough to want to help her, which is a really weird place to get help <laughs> and and you know have someone to confide in, which is a you know serial killer that eats people. But it kind of ends up turning out that way. Well, and and also I think you know he's. He's so smart. He's, you know, he's playing chess and everybody's playing checkers. Right, you know, he's, right. He's agreeing to this also for that, but also to make his right. move, make his move whenever he's being moved, you know, because Lecter's good at exploiting other people's mistakes more than anything. Right. After this, the, the screen just shows a caption that says Memphis, Tennessee, and you get like a, a night vision goggle uh, view. It's Buffalo Bill. He's looking for his uh, next victim. He, he's he's in this uh, like apartment parking lot. He's trying to load up this like love seat into the back of a van, but he's got like his arm or whatever. It's like hurt a little bit. So the daughter of the ten a senator in Tennessee, Catherine Martin, she's walking into her apartment with some grocery bags, and you know, being a good person, she she offers to help him load it up. But my goodness, she she does one of the biggest dumbest things you could ever do. As she's helping him load this sofa into the van, instead of being the one on the outside, you know, the last person to get in the van, she's stuck in beside behind this love seat. As they get it in, Buffalo Bill asks kind of a weird question. He says, uh, are you a size 14? He's like, huh? Then he, like, he starts knocking the hell out of her, knocks her out. And you get like, this thing, I don't know if it really comes across as weird to a lot of other people, but it did to me. 
he cuts her shirt off. You know, he looks at the size tag, and he just looks at this this girl's back skin, and it just, you know, I I have a niece. I know y'all probably have sisters or nieces or whatever daughters. That it that seems just terrifying to me. Just thinking about that, he's just looking at his next victim's back skin. Yeah, after that, like this. Oh yeah, That's and that very back, unsettling. Very unsettling. very unsettling. Back to we're back to the academy, and they send Clarice to West Virginia because they found a woman floating in the river. They, they they shoot them and they, they, Clarice says they shoot them after three days and then he skins them. Crawford and Clarice they show up to this funeral or they show up to the morgue where there's a funeral going on and the body is brought to them. Clarice records you know on a video recorder she's talking about the wounds. Uh, she's saying that she's not a local because she doesn't look like everybody else. She has painted fingernails and then they look at it, they take a picture inside of her mouth and they see this thing on her tongue. So they lo- they they take these giant tweezers and they pull out this bug that's lodged in her throat. They said that this bug couldn't have got in there by itself. It got put in there. Now, Clarice, she's in a museum to get this bug checked out. It's a death's head moth, specially grown, imported from Asia. And, you know, good-looking Jodie Foster gets flirted with again by another doctor. Right, right. <laughs> Shout out to Jodie. <laughs> now we're in Buffalo Bill's house. We see all of his dresses, and we see, and we just hear the voice of Catherine Martin, the senator's daughter, crying out from the bottom of a dried-out well. And then it just comes back. The people at the academy they see the news about the daughter of you know the, the senator missing. She's doing like her plea or whatever for you know. You have the chance to be a good person. Let my daughter free. She's a great person. Crawford asks Clarice offer Lecter a fake deal for assistance to find the senator's daughter. He asked her what's her worst memory. Lecter asked her what's her worst memory as a child. She says the death of her father her father at 10 years old. He asked about the West Virginia girl. Was she large? He asked, you know, then he then she asked him about the moths. And then Chilton, you know, Chilton, he's recording this conversation. And then Lecter says Bill has probably applied for a sex change. Mike, you got any thoughts on those scenes, man? Uh, the way that there's, there's well, a lot there. <laughs> right, right, right. The way that Buffalo Bill gets his victims is very Ted Bundy esque, mm-hmm. uh, and I know we, we, you know, we probably could have waited in the fun facts to do this, but you know, he's modeled after three different serial killers. Yeah. One of them happens to be Ted Bundy, and, and that is like straight out of the way Ted Bundy would lure victims in, make you know, gain the sympathy card, and then strike like that. Like you said, the scene where he removes, you know, her shirt or whatever to see that skin is just. So creepy, like I mean, it, it, it the way he views another human as an object is very, very, very creepy. Um, <laughs> man, there was a lot there. Um, the moth, butterfly symbolism stuff. Uh, you know, I'm gonna wait to break that down a little bit because we're doing scene by scene. I'm gonna wait until after after we're done doing that. But I, I, I like the usage of the moth. I like the way that they do that. I, I the way that they use some mechanical moss in the making of this film and they use different stages of life. Like they take a, a bunch of different moss from different stages of life, get them going just enough to be able to play the scene. Another fun fact is the moth they find or the cocoon they find in the dead body is actually candy. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. I mean I guess if she had swallowed it, I guess that would have been fine. Um <laughs> so yeah. Uh man, there was a lot there. A lot of meat on the bone. I'm gonna let Brian go and see if he can kinda like juggle my thoughts because i have notes but i feel like i'm repeating myself go ahead brian yeah so you're talking about you know ted bundy you know i mean heck the whole movie basically 
you know, is based upon, you know, in real life, Bundy being consulted to help the, you know, help catch the Green River killer. So, you know, this is just one of the many layers in this movie that you just can peel back and peel back and peel back. Um, You know, when Crawford's telling uh, Clarice about, you know, the latest victim and stuff, you know, the beginning of the movie shows her as kind of raw. You know, she, Clarice, is it really shows her prowess, prowess here as, you know, she looks at those Buffalo Bills victims and analyzes them to a T. You know, it gives more depth to this character that, that again, is more layers that just peels back and peels back and peels back. And, you know, the biggest theme to me about this entire movie is deception. You know, um, Crawford, you know, the FBI is deceiving Clarice, who's deceiving Lecter. You know, Lecter's deceiving basically everyone with his intentions on being moved, you know, everything. So, you know, it's it's basically to me, deception is is the under, another one of the many underlying themes of the whole thing. Um, the scene where she's left outside the room, you know, in the in the funeral home with the cops, you know, that's super uncomfortable. But like yep. you said at the very beginning, you know, that's just another underlying theme of this movie with yep. her dealing with the sexism, being seen as a woman first you know, before anything else, you know, Dr. Chilton and these cops, you know, even, even Lecter and Crawford constantly, she's constantly having to prove her worth throughout the entire movie. And, you know, she absolutely does. Um, Whenever she meets, meets uh, Lecter, you know, she breaks another one of the rules, you know, that she was given at the very beginning of the movie that you see her, you know, break over and over and over again, a little bit more at a time as she gets more comfortable, you know, telling him something personal, but she's getting results. You know, which is something nobody else really in the movie can 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 say. So I get it. Right. And and and, and real quick to piggyback off of the sexism thing. It is so it it's not even an underlying thing in this movie to me. It is a very it's a very, very big theme of this movie. There's a yeah. scene where she's like walking through the mall holding a bag. A guy, a random guy walks by, looks her up and down and she just has to ignore it. Like it is very it's uncomfortable, like you said. You're right. She can't go anywhere without getting hit on. And I think that, you know, she's a woman in a man dominant a, a, a man's dominated field and she has to continue to overcome that. I think that's a very big theme in the movie and um so real quick I didn't touch on it it because I didn't know like I, I don't really quite understand why it's there and we talked about it off or you know outside of this but the patriot slash Nazi symbolism that's in this movie with there's an American flag draped over the car they find. But Buffalo Bill has an American flag hung behind his mirror. But he also has a, a swastika blanket. Like, it's in there. I don't quite get its placement. Like, maybe I'm just not an, enough of an educated scholar. But he, it, it's there. And it was, it was, it's not in the book. It was a director's choice. I just found it kind of, like, misplaced. There's so many other things to follow in this movie. It takes okay. a couple of rewatches to kind of break it down. And I, I still don't quite get why that's there. I thought that that's about my only thing I found kind of odd about this movie. I didn't even notice it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess I was consumed with the uh, other parts of the movie. It uh, took me this- like 10 rewatches. So. All right, I hope y'all boys are ready because the next few scenes, some, some stuff starts getting good. I, but to start this scene off, I just wrote down the two words, iconic scene. It shows Buffalo Bill at the top of the well. It rubs the lotion on his skin. It does what it's told. 
I I just wrote the words absolutely terrifying to think about. Like I said, you know, as you know, an uncle, you know, Brian, he has a daughter, Mike, I'm sure you have a sister. It's right. terrifying to think about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And then we, we get a view from Catherine down there in the bottom of the well. She sees like fingernails that's you know it's in the that's in the well from a previous victim trying to climb out. And then she just, you know, goes she just starts screaming and crying and like I said, just ter- just horrible to think about. Hannibal Lecter is being prepared for transfer to Memphis. He's going to go talk to the the senator, uh, you know, the mom of the girl, Catherine, in the well. They push Lecter. This is a really cool scene. They push Lecter to the senator. He gives her a fake name of Lewis Friend. You know, he's just he, he I just read he verbally insults her. And then she says, get this animal away from me. And then I just wrote down LOL because he says, I love the suit. I just thought that was freaking <laughs> hilarious. Clarice has the name Lewis Friend wrote down on like a little piece of notebook paper, and she's trying to unscramble the the those letters, like because she knows there's got to be a hidden message because Doctor Lecter's so calculated. Clarice, she takes him his drawings from the prison cell, the last one, and she finally cracks the code that Lewis Friend meant iron sulfide, aka fool's gold. He asks about he asks Doctor Lecter asks her about living on the ranch in Montana. And about what happened. And she says she was woken up in the morning and she crept into the barn and saw lambs being slaughtered. She grabbed one lamb, a really heavy one, and ran away. But eventually the sheriffs caught her. He asked, he asked her, do you still hear the lambs? And then I wrote, he just likens Catherine trying, he, he likens her trying to rescue this girl to trying to rescue that lamb. It's be, I think it's really good symbolism. I, I love the way he right. says all that stuff too. Brian, do you got any thoughts on that? That's probably, you know, the, it rubs the lotion on the skin. Top, one of the most iconic scenes probably in film history, probably. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, the acting by Ted Levine's Buffalo Bill yeah. is so amazing. It's almost lost because of your, you're with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster, but his yeah. is his is amazing. And, and the cinematography, when it was showing the bloody fingernails, that has always stuck with me through all the years for some reason. And I know it's a few movies that do that. I want to say even maybe Blair Witch Project does that. I'm not sure. But every time I see that, it just the pains me. It's like chilling. It's chilling there. Um, you know, Chilton, the scene where, you know, he's a dick. But, you know, this this scene right here is the calculated moment that Lecter's been waiting for, you know, when he gets everyone around him so riled up till a mistake is made. You know, the only thing, the only question I have is if, if Lecter is tied up the way he is, how the hell did he, like that to me, I would like to have seen that. Just right. how did he manage to get that pin from there then? But, you know, I, I love, you know, gives all this false info and said what he did about the senator's daughter to piss everyone off and have them focused on Bill and to make make Chilton look ridiculous. It's just another another layer again. <laughs> and, you know, between Lecter and Chilton's relationship. Um Oh, the biggest thing I want to f- I want to focus on the cinematography as Lecter and Sterling talk. You know how it moves closer to him, closer to Hannibal every time it shows him getting more and more in her mind. You know, kind of symbolism with the cinematography. You know, closer and closer, building up the tension. You know, this this whole scene tells us everything we need to know. You know, that the title isn't about Lecter. It's not about Buffalo Bill. This movie is about Clarice and her inner conflict and how she wants to silence those ghosts, you know, lambs in her head. You know, it's a deep, 
and personal story that I think is overlooked in this movie by, you know, Hannibal Lecter's story. Right. Yeah, go, yeah. go ahead, Mike. It almost highlights the fact that Hannibal is actually kind of a subplot in this movie. Yeah. The real plot is, is Clarice's growth and transformation, which is kind of what the butterflies symbolize. Like exactly. how you start as a caterpillar, you get in the cocoon, and you become a butterfly. She's becoming her own her own version of a butterfly. I wrote down a couple of things about these scenes. The way that they let the screams of uh, – uh, the way they let the screams linger while – they're not really showing her. They're showing Buffalo Bill's face, but the screams get louder and right. louder. And louder, and it's building suspension, building so much tension until bu- bu- until you see Buffalo Bill just crack, and he does the put the lotion in the fucking basket, you know, <laughs> you know, yep. and all. And it's so God, I love the way they build that scene, yep. and I love the way they build the scene between Hannibal and the mom, where they don't use any music. It's very, it's 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 not quiet. It's a it's almost like being at the hangar at an airport where there's a lot of noise going on, but it's still it's still just quiet enough. And they use the, you know, the plane engine cranking up is almost like suspenseful music. God, I love the way they do that. It's so well done where they shoot that scene. And Hannibal, Hannibal is very, very different in that scene than he is in any other scene in the movie until, you know, he eats somebody's face, which we'll get to. But <laughs> this is kind of the first time you get to see him be a madman and whether he's conning them to making him think, making them think he's that way or he actually is that way is a completely different topic. But He's definitely playing the character of what people want him to be in, in that in that scene. And I think it's great. And, you know, the scene between Hannibal and Clarice, you gotta remember, he's a psychiatrist. So not only and look, they're both doing it for personal gain. She wants to become a better agent. She wants to, you know, help, you know, help find the killer Buffalo Bill, help free the girl in the well. But she's also kind of using him to break through her own personal struggle. Right. She's he's helping her going back to psychiatrist mode, you know, breaking her down, you know, making her admit her own, you know, her own inner conflict out loud to actually saying it to somebody. But he's also doing that for personal gain, sweeten that deal, you know, get where he needs to go. And I love the way they play on that where like there's clearly some respect or relation there's something there between the two of them. But uh, but they're both using each other for personal gain. I think it's just, as Brian would say, another layer to this movie. <laughs> like, like they have like a weird psycho-semantic relationship that I, I think is kind of – it's very, very different. Oh, yeah. After that, it's just, it's just the movie shows Clarice, she's flying home. And here – this right here is another really, really iconic scene. Mm-hmm. The guards, they're taking in – they're taking Hannibal his dinner. And of course, he wants rare lamb. <laughs> he spits out he spits out a pick before they cuff him into his hand. They cuff him to his uh, his cell, and they open the cell to go in with his dinner. He breaks free and cuffs one guard to the cell. He then attacks the other guard. He kicks the you know door into him. He bites his nose off. He sprays pepper spray into his eyes. Then he takes the nightstick and he beats the cuffed officer, and he just beats the hell out of him. And then you just see the other officer trying to crawl away, but he grabs like a pocket knife and he kills the other guard as he crawls away or maybe, or does he, who knows the officers, they hear gunshots at the, was it the fifth floor? I think. And they, they lay watching this elevator, like go from five to three. Then it stops on three. Then, you know, they call in ambulance. They call in a SWAT team. 
Then they finally invade this building, and then they find the two dead officers. And then one of the officers discovers that the second guard who crawled away, who isn't cuffed up, is still breathing. The SWAT team shows up to try and find Lecter. They put the second guard who was breathing on a stretcher to take him to a hospital. Now the, the couple other doctors and the couple officers, they're in the elevator with the uh, dead another dead body on a stretcher, and they see blood dripping onto the sheet. So they, they notice that there's blood dripping from the roof of this elevator. They think it's Dr. Lecter. So they get some uh, a couple other officers. They climb. They they open up the elevator chute. Uh, they look down. They see a dead body on top of it, and he doesn't respond. They say, "Well, we need him alive." So they shoot him in the leg, and he doesn't move. And then they 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 finally get the they they go into the elevator with a ladder, and they get the body, and they notice that it's not Lecter, and he realizes that Lecter took that knife and cut his face off and attached his face. So Lecter is actually the one in the in the ambulance getting taken to the hospital. Amazing. And before we get before we get too deep into that, uh, Brian, you got any thoughts on just you know <laughs> that part? Man, that's good, KFC good stuff. is amazing. Good stuff. It's amazing. Love. It's God, iconic. it's awesome, man. Yeah, um, it, you know it really shows Lecter acting like that caged animal I brought up earlier by biting that dude's face, yet taking the time to enjoy the music as well. So I mean, this whole thing was one hell of a plan, but I will say he got lucky. Did not open that hatch to the elevator until he was out of the building already. So I, I'll say that. What man? I'm glad you brought up the music. The way that they use like that Bach, mm-hmm. I, I believe it's Bach that that is. The way they use that, compare that to the other, con- you know, on the flip side, which is Buffalo Bill. He's more like a you know uh, psychedelic or you know more you know up to date, more popular music. As Hannibal's just like jamming out the box, like just the two different kind yeah. of mindsets that involved in those two uh, serial killers. I, I think it, comparing and contrasting the two was a lot of fun. And I love, I love that scene. I think both of those guards are great character actors. They've been in a bunch of other different stuff. They play their part really well. And that, to me, that's the scene. And I know they're, you know, the dialogue scene. But to me, that's the scene that gives Anthony Hopkins the Academy Award. Like that, oh, God, it's so good. Brian, you got any other thoughts? You want to move on to the next stuff? No, no, you can move on. Our Ardelia, she tells, she's another Academy girl. Ardelia tells Clarice that he escaped and is on the loose. Clarice says he won't come after her. Clarice has the realization that Buffalo Bill knew his first victim personally. So Bel- as they go back to Belvedere, uh, what was it, Belvedere, I can't remember what state, Belvedere, Ohio. They go to Belvedere, Ohio, and Clarice is at the first victim's house. She's searching her home, or, you know, her home. She goes to her room. They say that they haven't touched her room since she died. Clarice calls and says Bill is a, he's a tailor and is making a woman's suit. His name is James Gum. Catherine is in the well. Uh, she's plotting is what I wrote. Bill is getting all dolled up. He's, you know, he's getting ready to do his little famous dance. Catherine throws this string with a, it's got like that bucket at the end of it, but there's like a chicken bone tied right in front of it. He throws, she throws it up there. She tries to catch the dog precious, but the dog gets away. And then here's a really gross thing. Bill, he's dancing in front of this camera and he's got his junk tucked away. (laughs) Now Clarice is interviewing other town people about Jane Gum or Jack Gordon. Uh, Bill, he, he's fooling with these moths, but he hears his dog pouting. 
and we see cops are getting ready to invade this house. They think it's uh, they think it's Buffalo Bills. They ring this the doorbell to deliver flowers. It's just a false false invasion, really. But it's the wrong house. Clarice is at the house that is Bills. She asks about the first victim, and he lets her in. Mike, do you want to give your thoughts before we get to the very ending? I just love the way that I love the way how they again she has to kind of deal with the sexism here, where. They're kind of like, eh, don't worry. Thank you for all your hard work, but we got this now. Like, yeah, we, 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 we don't need you anymore. Turns out they were being led down the wrong fucking path, and she, smart enough to figure it all out without pretty much, I mean, she used, Le- uh, she used Lecter's help, but she didn't need him to find the actual end solution, and I think that was, I think it's really well done. Just, you know, you know just, again, another another piece of symbolism that they used to get to show the growth of the character of Clarice. Brian? Um, yeah, actually, I didn't even find this out until, you know, at least, definitely not the first watch. I didn't even catch it. But when Clarice finds out he's in Belvedere, you know, if you go back to the very first scene when when Lecter is yeah. describing his drawing, you know, he talks about Belvedere. So, you know, the whole time he's known and has just been toying with Starling. I don't know if toying is the right word, but, you know doing whatever he wanted to to manipulate Starling the entire time. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say, I want to say this is a nitpick. It's almost just kind of fucked up. But when Clarice is at that first victim's house, picks up, finds finds those naked photos of her, she just leaves it like for the victim's dad to find them. She just like throws them on the desk. I thought that was kind of <laughs> fucked up. Um, but, uh, <laughs> If you're going going to the uh, Catherine in the well scene, look, I like how everyone in this movie is fighting, even the victim here. She's not just sitting around, you know, waiting for somebody to save her. She's actively doing something, which I really like. Um, I don't know. There's not really a whole lot else I can say about this quote unquote tuck scene. You know, it's it's one of the you know, it's one of the most well-known scenes in this movie. But uh, it's just weird, man. And it's but it's one of those things that's like. Once you see, you can't unsee, and so it's just like, oh god. Um, the only nitpick I have on this entire movie to me is this: whenever the girl Clarice is asking the girl she's interviewing, would would you would she have a friend that uh, you don't know about? I mean, just stop and think about that question for just a second. Would she have a friend that you don't know about? So that's why I was like, well, okay, maybe that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of bad. That's kind of a uh, that's my only nitpick about the whole thing. Lastly, I love the misdirection with Clarice at the door and the cops at the door. Yep. You know, I, you know, you see this in movies sometimes. I love it every time it snaps, you know, it swaps your tension on his head. You know, you think you're, you think this person is, is safe and then boom. Nope. So I, I love that. Love it. Okay. So before you just take it back over Nico, a couple things on this, uh, infamous or famous. So, you know, everyone to view a tuck scene. So <laughs> I like the, I'm not saying I like love this scene or whatever, but I like the way that they use it as a back and forth with the girl in the well struggling for her life. Like I, I like the way that, that they build that tension with it. You know, Buffalo Bill's classic, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. You know, <laughs> I'd fuck me hard. You know, I, I think it's really good. The acting is great. The way they, the cinematography where they're just showing his lips for a while, I think that's really well done because again, Here's somebody who's also becoming, who's also 
changing like the caterpillar, the butterfly, but not for the good. Like he, he sees himself one way, you know, he, he's changing that direction. This movie has been slammed over the years a couple times for misrepresenting uh, trans people. I want to say that the very beginning of the movie, or towards the very beginning of the movie, they qualm, they qualm that pretty quickly, where she says there's no link to, you know, then, you know, trans people being this way. And Hannibal agrees that, and he even says, Billy's not, you know, he's not a real transvestite. He just thinks he is. So I really don't see why it has the hate that it does. I think people are just kind of digging for stuff with that. But as far yeah. as the tuck itself, the first time <laughs> I ever watched this movie, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know that what was in there. I was not expecting that. And I want, I want y'all to understand, I was watching this with an aunt of mine the first time I ever saw it. <laughs> and she didn't, uh, she didn't know it was coming either, and it was very, very awkward. Even though I, I was like 16, it was very, very, very awkward to just kind of, oh, okay, cool. So, nah, I actually like the way they play that scene. Again, not my like favorite scene or anything, but just to see the kind of person Buffalo Bill is, is, is very... It's a, he's a very demented person. Before before we get to the last two scenes, which is the finale, I'm gonna tell a funny story too. I remember seeing this movie as a kid, and this was back when I was watching wrestling a lot. You know, like Attitude Era, w, WCW. And yeah. my mom, my mom didn't let me, what didn't want to let me watch it because it had you know the divas half you know half dressed most <laughs> of the time. But we were talking, me and my mom, we were talking to somebody. And we were talk we started talking about the Buffalo Bill scene where he's dancing <laughs> and the dude's like, So you can watch that, but you can't watch it wrestling. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, that's a good point, Mom. What's up with that? <laughs> wrestling was pretty bad, I'm not gonna lie. But yeah. It wasn't guy tugging his dick though, dancing in the camera bad though. That's very true. Anywho, these are the last two scenes which are freaking awesome. Yeah. Clarice is in the house, he's talking to Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, he's looking for this he's looking for like an information card or whatever. For uh, the first victim's brother, Clarice. But, you know, Clarice, she's looking through the house. She's really she's paying attention because she knows who this guy is. But she gets her confirmation because she sees a moth flying. So she knows it's him. She pulls her gun. But then, you know, he runs away. She chases him into the basement. And Clarice hears screaming. She sees Catherine at the bottom of the well. She tells Catherine that she's FBI and she's safe. Catherine panics, though, whenever Clarice says she has to leave because she has to go find Buffalo Bill. She continues pursuit, but all the lights go out. Bill has his night vision goggles back on, and he sees her. And I think this is really cool how he's just following her. He's getting real close to her. He, you know, I wrote down she she wanders aimlessly in the dark, and he gets so close to touching her face and like grabbing her hair, but he makes a huge mistake. He goes to cock his revolver, and she and she turns around and instantly starts just blasting him. Which I really appreciate because in other horror movies they probably just shoot him once and hope he's dead. Right. So she she made sure he was dead. Bill, I wrote Bill is dead. Then the other police finally arrive and they set Catherine. They get Catherine out of the well. They set her free. And now we're uh, getting to a really another really interesting scene. We're at Clarice's FBI graduation party. You know, Clar Clarice she's at her party. She gets a phone call, and it's Doctor Lecter. And he asked a really, really cool line. Dr. Lecter asked, have the lamb stop crying? And then he asked her not to pursue him. And he's having a, he says, don't pursue me because I'm not going to pursue you. And, you know, Clarice says, well, you know, I can't do that. 
and he's getting ready to get off the phone, and he says, I have to go now. I'm having an old friend for dinner, which is Dr. Chilton. And then the, the very ending just shows the scene The scene cuts with Dr. Lecter walking into the crowd and into the distance. Really, really cool. And he's got a, he's sporting a new look, too. He's got some glasses, got a little, fest, <laughs> got a little tropical hat on. Looks like he's got some long hair. Uh, Brian, you got some thoughts on the very ending? Man, just that I love it. It's perfect. I mean, the lecture saying I'm having an old friend for dinner, which I'm, I want Mike, I want to hear Mike's voice take on that. But, uh, you know, quoting that with his, uh, with his impression. But, um, you know, I just look, that's, that's the only way that this, this movie could end. You had to give Lecter one more, like, Hey, you know, I got, I won, I've got everything, which, you know, I know it plays into the next movie, Hannibal, which I really love. I really wish Jodie Foster was in it, but it was also to me a very great movie. I love Red Dragon, the prequel. So this whole trilogy to me is just, it's, it's perfect. Besides Jodie, besides Jodie Foster not being the next one and for, as Clarice, like that's the only thing that I think this trilogy, you know, is missing. But I loved it. I think it's great. Yeah, Go ahead, Mike. I I, uh, I love the way it ended as well. I think both both Clarice and Hannibal got what they wanted, but they also lose something. Hannibal loses his back and forth dynamic relationship that he kind of cultivated, and I think it was genuine. I don't think it was fake. I think he really cares for Clarice, but knows he can't be. After this phone call, it's over. Like, can't be in contact with her because she'll be coming after me. And But she also kind of gives up something, too, because because of the deal she made, Hannibal is free. Hannibal yeah. walks free. And I think that that's something that, she, you know, you know that ends up weighing on her. And, and so, again, you gain, you lose. I like that dynamic. I, uh, I love that. I don't, have a, I don't have a great Anthony Hopkins, so I hate to, like, butcher that. <laughs> Well, when we get to fun facts, I'll give you that line in a different voice. How about that? So, okay. um, Dr. Loomis' voice. Uh, <laughs> he's doing very well last night. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love love the ending. I think it's great. I love how Clarice overcomes throughout the entire movie. She uses her trauma and her, you know, her past for good. Like, she uses the lambs. The, you know, that's why the movie's called Silence of the Lambs. But she uses her experience with the lambs to want to help the innocent. The lambs are innocent. She wants to help other innocent people now, which is part of the main reason why she wants, you know, she's in the field she's in in the first place. So, again, there's another one of those layers. This thing has more layers than those grain biscuits, man. Yeah, this movie's really deep whenever you honestly look at it. There's a lot of, there. you're right, there are a lot of layers. Uh, I'm just going to get my uh, final thoughts on the ending, too. I thought it was great. Like I said, I love the fact that whenever she hears Buffalo Bill with the revolver, she just instantly turns around and starts guns a-blazing. She doesn't shoot just one time like a lot of other, you know, horror movies, slasher movies, where they just hit them one time then run away. She just bam, 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 bam. I love that. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, big shout-out to Jodie Foster. Y'all got any other final thoughts, or do y'all want to jump into our fun facts? I'm good on it, man. Who wants to go first? Because I've got eight of them. I, I only down. got I only got a few, so I'll go first. That's cool. Go ahead. Yep. Go, go ahead. ahead. Um, actually, so Anthony Hopkins won the Best Actor Oscar, but he only has sixteen minutes of yeah. screen time in this entire movie, which is crazy to even hear. Um, also, one of the most quoted lines when this movie gets brought up is "Hello, Clarice." 
And that move that he never, never, yes. Lecter never says that one time in this entire yeah. movie, which is which is crazy how pop culture has has thrown that into your into your mindset and never even happened. Um, and the last thing is that Ted Levine or Ted Levine, I'm, I can't even I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, um, actually improvised that entire Buffalo Bill dance. You know, there's no dance from Buffalo Bill in the Lamb script. You know, he insisted that Bill perform a strange dance to the camera as viewers how disturbed his character was. That's it. Mike, you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, go, go, go ahead, Nico. All right. If I, uh, sorry if I take any of them. Oh, uh, you're good. I got all of mine off IMDb. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster only share four scenes throughout the course of this movie together. Uh, the real-life FBI behavioral, behavioral science unit assisted in the making of this movie the the production received full cooperation from the fbi as they saw it as a potential recruiting tool to hire more female agents in preparation for his role sir anthony hopkins studied uh files of serial killers also he visited prisons and studied convicted murderers and was present during some court hearings concerning gruesome murders and serial killings uh it won five oscars like they brought up best picture best actor best actress Best Director, Jonathan Demi, I think is how you say it. Yep. And Best Writing, or Best Writing or Screenplay based on a based on material previously produced or published. Uh, it had a $19 million budget, and it made $272.7 million. And the, the coolest fun fact that I found out late, honestly, last night, was George A. Romero made an uncredited cameo yep. Yep. As, a, as a guard whenever they brought Chilton in. I thought that was really cool. And George A. Romero is a a famous horror director. Go ahead, Mike. So that final basement scene that we see with Buffalo Bill was shot in basically in one day, 22 hours. They spent a full 22 hours filming that scene. They did it all together. Um, I always like that scene because now that I notice that it's there, there's a shadow, and you you can't film without light. Like so, it's okay. Like I'm not knocking it, but you can clearly see. There are shadows there, and you, if it was completely dark and you're only seeing it from night vision, there technically wouldn't be any shadows. But that's, you know, it happens. There's, you know, not a whole lot you can do. Um, Anthony Hopkins used his Hannibal Lecter voice as a mix of Truman Capote and, Cap- and Catherine Hepburn, which I that's kind of a weird damn mix there. But um, right. the original, the, so the director originally wanted, I believe, hold on, I have it written down here. Wanted Michelle Pfeiffer for Clarice, which I'm kind of glad that didn't work out. I think Jodie Foster was absolutely perfect for this role. And the original Hannibal Lecter that he wanted was Sean Connery. Now, could you imagine? (laughs) Could you? Could you imagine? I had his liver with fava beans and Chianti. I'm Sean Connery. Oh, anyway. So... (laughs) I can't... I just can't imagine Sean Connery (laughs) delivering those lines. Right. Good morning, Clarice. Um, <laughs> thought that was great. And Buffalo Bill, based after three serial killers, which was Ted Bundy, which we talked about. Um, Ed Gein, Ed, Ed Gein, obviously for the, you know the skin thing, which right. also Ed Gein is in like nine different horror movies. Man, Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, like he's in a bunch of different horror movies. And so, he, but the, the, this is about as close as it gets as far as making you know costumes and 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 jackets and shirts and shit out of people's skin and you know and 
And by the way, Ted Bundy also used the fake cast. So that's a direct damn ripoff of, of, of Bundy. And uh, I believe it's, well, there's a couple of different ones. Jerry Burdos used to dress in his victim's clothes. So there's a lot of, di- so Buffalo Bill, and the nickname comes from Buffalo Bill Cody, who, you know, urban legend, you know, skinned a Cheyenne Indian and put, you know, use it as a coat. You know, so that's kind of where the nickname comes from. So I still get tickled every time I think of Sean Connery being fucking Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine where that came from. Like that, that just doesn't do anything. If Sean Connery were Hannibal Lecter, this movie would be about a six. And I like Sean Connery, but no, absolutely yeah, not. No, 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 no. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Y'all want to jump into our best kill, worst kill, and rating? Sure. Is there more? Yeah, sure. sure. Brian, you got Drew. You got Drew's ready to go. I do. I got. I have. I have a boy, Drew's, who uh, sent it to us since he couldn't be here today. And you got to do it in the voice, the same voice. <clears throat> the voice. <clears throat> the voice. Silence of the Lambs is practically a perfect thriller. One of the main reasons I think that is because I've seen it at least two dozen times now, and yet it never gets old. I never get bored. I try to watch it as background noise while doing something else and find myself sucked in every time. I notice new things about it every time. It is just that freaking good. Buffalo Bill is a creepy serial killer. He blew my mind the first time I saw a movie, but he blew my mind even more when I was older and had done some reading up on real-life serial killers and realized he was based on people that actually existed. Clarice, for the first time, coming face to face with Hannibal. For the first time, one of the cinema's best ever introductions to any character, hero, or villain. I give this movie a 9.75 rating. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank I love you. the Thank voice. And great, great, <laughs> great voice and great review, Drew. I said, great review, Drew. I'll, I'll go ahead and go next. Um, I just wrote, it's pretty, uh, a best kill uh, was the two guards. That scene was great. Uh, the worst kill, I just wrote the ambulance people because it's all off screen. And you don't even know how they die. But for my rating, I just wrote the word, I just wrote pretty damn flawless. Uh, Hopkins is menacing, cunning, and fantastic. Jodie Foster was great in her role, too. She, You can see the transformation from the beginning of the movie to the end. Uh, Ted Levine or Levine, however however it's pronounced, as Buffalo Bill, as weird and disgusting and creepy as he was, was uh, he was great in his role. The cinematography and the score—they're both incredible. I, I have nothing bad to say except I don't rewatch the movie very often, but every time I do, it's great. And I wrote the first well scene terrified me, uh, <laughs> just having a niece and just thinking about people out there. You know, who have their kids kidnapped or trafficked or something. It's a terrible thought to have. My rating, I'm going to go with the same as Drew. I wrote 9.5 9, through 9.75. I'm going to give it a 9.75 just like Drew. No, no, it, it, There's really nothing I can nitpick about it except, you know, I just don't rewatch it very often because it's kind of long. But it's it's a great movie. There's there's really nothing you can say too bad about it. Hopkins, is he's incredible. 
He, he's a creepy looking motherfucker. Yeah, he, is. <laughs> he absolutely is, especially in this, especially as that character. The My way God. they shoot, the way they like zoom in on his face and as he speaks is just horrifying. Which goes back to my point of what the fuck that director was thinking wanting Sean Connery to play this role. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. I'm done. This is my Daniel Harris should have been cast in Halloween. This is mine. Um, I already know you two are going to have have the same thoughts, so just whoever wants to go. (laughs) I'll let Brian go last. Uh, Well, we all kind of have the same thoughts here. I think Anthony Hopkins is great. Jody Foster is great. The cinematography is fantastic. The way they use music or even other sounds to amplify a scene, fantastic. Um, I love the layers and layers and layers and layers of symbolism in this movie. It's like a, a freaking triple-decker sandwich with a ton of meat, man. Like It is so layered with different stuff, and it all comes together so nicely in, in one story. I love it. I absolutely think it's fantastic. It's to me, it is a two-hour runtime, but it never feels like two hours every time I watch it. I'm like, oh, damn, that, it's, that flew by. Like, I, it, to me, it never drags. And so the so my favorite kill is clearly the two guards. Worst kill, I guess the ambulance one, because I really don't have a worst kill. Like, there's not a ton of kills, per se, in this movie, but since we have to give it. But, I mean, you know. Man, that, that was my thought on that, too. I was like – What's the worst kill? So I just pick the ambulance people. <laughs> right. Right. Well, wait, exactly. I love the way that this movie touches on different themes, touches on different symbols, just tells a great story. And I love the way it, it, it sticks close enough to source material where it's not, it doesn't bastardize it. And I think it does a really good job adapting a book to a two hour script. And so I love the screenplay as well. So for the first time on this show, I'm giving this. Are ten out of ten. My man. To quote LeBron James, it's about damn time. It's about I'm, damn time. I'm John Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you ready? Man, I don't even I don't even want to go anymore. You guys took literally all everything that I was gonna say. Um, I, you know, I can't for the first time, I think that all four of us are in agreement of this film. You know, no, what none of us rated it below a 9.5, I think so far. I mean, you're crazy if you don't like this movie. If you if you don't like this movie, it's not because of the acting. It's not because of the writing. It's not because of of anything besides the fact that maybe it bothers you too much and you don't want to watch it. But that's because of good, good writing and good acting and everything else. The only thing I will do is one more time give Anthony Held and Ted Levine or Ted Levine one more little round of applause because look, you know, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, obviously they're stars of this movie, but but those guys, if they had not done as well in their roles, it would not have been half the movie as it was. You know, they are the forgotten stars of this film. Um so I'll 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 give them one more one more do. Um best kill Obviously, it's got to be the you know the, the guards. Um, I don't have a worse kill, just like you guys. And you know my rating. I was I was you know pumped about going last because you know I said I would never rate a movie a ten. I, I said that I probably would never. I, I cannot ever. I could not think of a movie that I would rate a ten until I came around this one. And so I'm I'm going to go and and you know it's it's kind of uh it's kind of like being. Sammy Sosa to to Mark McGuire here a little bit here, but 
um, you know, I, I'm going to go attend, you know, just like going after Mike, I'm going to go attend as well. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I could have easily said it was a 10. I mean, maybe I'm robbing it of its 0.25 rating because <laughs> there's really, I mean, like the, the only thing that me and Mike differ on is I kind of felt the length of the movie. It, they right, could have trimmed right. some of the stuff, but that's my only complaint. And I just want to say to all the listeners for Mike has one more thing to say. Um, I hope I didn't undersell my scene by scene because a lot of a lot of it is just I, I can't do it justice between Clarice right. and Lecter. Like you actually have to watch those scenes to yes, truly feel them. Like because I can't you know I can't quote all the stuff they're saying and it, it come across the right way. So I just I did want to say all that just just in case I don't I didn't want to undersell how great the interaction between the, those two are and just the 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 pure horror that you feel when Buffalo Bill is looking directly into that girl's eyes whenever she's at the bottom of the well you're not gonna you're not gonna feel what if you watch it yourself you're not gonna feel it with me just telling it to you but but i hope i hope our review encourages you and motivates you to watch this movie because it's good as hell and it's free on amazon prime video so go ahead mike oh i don't no i was gonna i was basically gonna say everything you said go watch this movie like we did the best we could, but this is a really hard movie to do justice by with a review. Like, you you said the scene-by-scene scene breakdown. I can only imagine that be that difficult because most of the great greatness in this movie is in the dialogue mm-hmm. and and the symbolism, and you need to watch it to see that. And, 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 the, and the layers and the layers. It's a grand biscuit up in this bitch. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I, I agree. I mean – but it is only on this show that you can hear, I ate her liver with a side. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Fava <laughs> beans and Chianti. Okay. Bef- before, but we actually have a fan question <laughs> that's going to be fun to answer. I just wanted to touch on one more thing. Like you guys said, the symbolism is so deep in this movie. Just that, that moth getting shoved in their throat. Because uh, you got, to me... There's two characters, you know, that it, the moth represents, uh, Clarice and Buffalo Bill. You know, it shows to, you know, Buffalo Bill wanted to, he applied for surgery at different universities, but got rejected. So he took matters into his own hand. And, you know, you just saw the transformation from Clarice as just an FBI, you know, student in academy to stopping the guy that nobody else could stop and they couldn't find nothing else about. It, and she was the only one who could get through to Dr. Lecter, too. So it, this is just a great movie. Like once once again, I just want to say I didn't want to undersell it because it's really hard to, you know, just scene by scene how great their interactions are, the tension of them, the the cinematography. This is a really – this was a – I was kind of intimidated by how good this movie was. Hey, there's a reason when you YouTube or Google Silence of the Lambs review, there's not a lot of them. There's none. There's, I couldn't there, find any. There, there's a lot of essays like – kind of breaking it down the way we did talking about the meaning behind stuff and stuff. But just like the review of the movie, there's maybe one, two that I could find, you know, just to kind of gain some other perspectives and they're not very long. So this is a very difficult movie to do justice. I, I just want to say I'm proud of our team. I think we did a pretty good job. And like you said, when you YouTube silence of the lambs, all you see is this scene, this scene, this scene, and they all have over a million views. Because, like, everybody says, this is the best scene. No, this is the best scene. It's All that means is this is a damn good movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, I could give my, if I could give my best scene 
to me, it is the first interaction with with Clarice and Hannibal. That's the my favorite scene anyway. To mm-hmm. me, that's fair. I, I didn't even think about what my favorite scene was. Honestly, my favorite scene honestly might be whenever she goes to him when he's in that new cell about the fool's gold. That's a really damn good scene yeah, too. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Y'all got any final thoughts before we jump in the good brother Colonel Mustard's question? Uh, oh, <laughs> he bet he better not be shitting on this movie, or I will kick his ass. Hey, the, hey, the only the only thing I will say is that you know I know I talked a lot, especially at the beginning, but you know you can tell by me rating this thing a ten how actually once I you know got I got into this and watched this for the first time in a long time, I was like, wow, there is a ten movie to me out there, and it's yeah. this. So I got really excited, and so I, too, I, had a, I had a lot to say about it. I had a lot to say about it. Thank, thank you to David Visser for recommending. This was a great choice. All right, let me bring up Dustin's question real quick. <laughs> if you ate a man's liver, would you choose Chianti and fava beans to compliment it or something else? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can tell you, you right know, now. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first. Go I'll let you guys keep thinking on it if you want to, because I've thought about this all day. Considering I am the redneck Asian on the show, I would not eat that fancy stuff with it. This is what I would get with uh, my liver. Your man liver? Because I've never actually eaten liver before. I've only eaten like one bite of chicken liver, and it was fucking disgusting. Well, you're eating human so liver, I've, so just so So I've never had like, you know, livers and onions. So what I'm going to eat with my liver is a big old serving of KFC mashed potatoes so I can drown that liver in it. And I'm getting the biggest sweet tea they got. That's what I'm eating with my liver. Okay, <laughs> had to, let's go. Had, okay, had to redneck okay. it up a little bit. All right. Who wants to go next? Okay, I said I. I tell you right now, I wouldn't put no damn mustard on my liver. That sorry ass condiment. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, no, I man, that's tough. I think, man, you know what I would do? It's my liver grilled, fried, raw. Like I'm just gonna pretend it's fried liver. How about that, fried? Fried human liver. I, I'm going to put it on that nice Popeye's brioche bun, some extra mayo, and a side of red beans and rice. Let's do this shit. And I and just for the mood, I'll take a glass of Chianti. That's fine. <laughs> Church it up a little bit. <laughs> That's right, baby. That's right. All right, Brian, how are we eating your liver? One word. One word. That's all I need. Ketchup. Oh, my Let's God. Go. Let's go. Let's the go. The ketchup, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Elise will love your answer. Oh, boo. <laughs> Anywho, y'all boys got any final thoughts on this movie? Yeah, Besides keep chasing. how great it was. <laughs> For our listeners, I just want to give you some advice. Keep chasing that neon rainbow. Living that honky-tonk dream. <laughs> That's what I was going to say earlier. I was like, while we were at the convention hanging out at Drew's house, I think I probably forced that song down these guys' throats more in that two days than they heard in the past. 25 years <laughs> hey you want to know how hannibal lecter felt watching that like religious broadcast shit that's how we ended up feeling about this damn song by <laughs> sorry i had to tie it back into the movie somehow man no nah, that's cool y'all got any final thoughts before we get out of here i'm good i'm good go watch this damn movie oh real quick the nipple that you see that's just a weird fun fact Wait, the, what, nip, what? the nipple that you see from buffalo bill is a fake prosthetic nipple so there you go the one he's okay. pulling on, the one, the really uncomfortable, weird scene, that's a prosthetic re- nipple. Oh, I was really worried about that. I was really wondering about that. I'm sure you were. I know you were. That's why I said, <laughs> that's why I said it. 
<laughs> Anyways, just want to thank everybody who's been listening. Uh, do us a favor. Go give us a, a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All you got to do is search Don't Go Out There on all those social medias. It's for easy to find. Or you can just ask us, any of us, on our personal Twitter accounts. And do us another, the biggest favor is just subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate that. We're flying up the charts all of a sudden. We started getting a bunch of ratings because y'all are the best fans ever, and we really appreciate it. And stay tuned. We got we might have some big things coming this next weekend as well. Y'all have a good night. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there. Thank you.